Unfolding the Universe. You're listening to Are We There Yet? The radio show exploring space exploration. Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. Nearly a year ago, scientists unveiled the first images from the James Webb Space Telescope, a massive space-based infrared observatory. In the year of observation, Webb has peered deep into our cosmic past at star nurseries, supernova, and countless galaxies, and it's looked at things closer to home, like our planetary neighbors. The images give scientists and citizens alike a new look at these places in our universe. And at the Museum of Arts and Sciences in Daytona Beach, a new exhibit gives patrons a fresh way to view and interact with these images. We'll take a look at the museum's unfolding the universe with science curator Seth Mayo. That's ahead on Are We There Yet? here on 90.7 WMFE News. The Webb Space Telescope is giving us views of the universe like never before. That's because it's observing the universe in the infrared, and its unique position in space allows us to peer deep into our cosmic past. In its first year of observation, we've seen incredible images of stellar nurseries, dying stars, and surveys of the galaxies in our universe like never before. And at the Museum of Arts and Sciences in Daytona Beach, we're getting a rare look at those images, too. Curator Seth Mayo and his team at the museum have printed out some of the most stunning images in massive scale and put them on display in an art gallery the size of the telescope's massive sunshield. Patrons can walk up to these sometimes 10-foot-tall images and see details like never before. I took a trip to the museum last week ahead of its opening where Seth Mayo gives us an intimate look at their new exhibit, Unfolding the Universe. Yeah, so we're in the first area. We're really uh, kind of bringing you into space almost. And what we're actually showing you here is kind of the engineering behind this telescope. And that's a big part of the story. You know, this is a telescope in space, 100 times more powerful than Hubble, two and a half times larger in diameter for these mirrors. And so we're actually highlighting these mirrors covered in gold and showing what the engineering looked like uh, to, to get this off the ground and into space. That story is really important to tell. And these mirrors, with 18 of them put together, is the largest uh, observing kind of mirror ever used for space, uh, in space, to observe the universe in infrared. And so we're trying to highlight, at least as you walk in, what this telescope's like, the engineering behind it, and you know how much effort and um, uh, you know how much uh, work it took to get this off the ground and into space. And mm-hmm. so as we walk through here, we'll actually kind of notice. Um, kind of the progression of the telescope. We're actually seeing as the mirrors were being developed and, and uh, constructed and then pieced together into one large um, uh, collecting area. Uh, and it's just, a, it's pretty too, to see these hexagons. Um, and that's something we call back to a lot in this exhibit. These, I mean, the images themselves are so beautiful, we could probably just stop right here, right? Sure, yeah, yeah, you don't have to go <laughs> The engineering is, is, is gorgeous. Exactly, yeah, it is. And I, like I said, I, when I do a tour through here, or when I talk to you about it, half my talk is just about how amazing the engineering is. Mm-hmm. And again, what it took to, to get this off the ground. Um, and the picture we see here is showing the sun shield, which is an amazing feature of it. This massive sun shield about the area of a tennis court is protecting it from the heat from the sun, earth, and moon. And, uh, and then the, the, the mirrors are on the top, and you can see it kind of pre-folded before it was fully folded mm-hmm. um, and placed in the Ariane 5 rocket that would eventually launch on and Christmas Day. And then a Day. person right next to it to show you that just the scale the of scale, this thing, right? right. I mean, yeah. it's a huge telescope. It is massive. And we try to show that scale in, in many different ways in this exhibit to show how big it is. 
um, you know, Hubble uh, was a, close to an eight foot diameter mirror, but with Webb, it's a 21.3 diameter um, light gathering area. And of course, bigger is better for telescopes, especially mm -hmm. looking at infrared light. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. All right, well, there's more, right? Yes. Yes, yeah, so as we walk way through, we, uh, we actually get to walk past uh, a famous Carl Sagan quote that many folks know, especially if you're into space, you know, the, the cosmos is within us. We are made of star stuff. We are a way for the universe to know itself. Yeah, love that. We yeah. are star stuff. We are, right. And I think um, this telescope is reminding us of that, that connection we have to the universe. We're made of, of things, ingredients that were formed, um, you know, in the furnaces of stars. And when they exploded, they, they throw all that material out that eventually formed stars, planets, and the ingredients for life. And Webb is showing that in just unprecedented detail. So we wanted to show off that, that uh, quote as you mm -hmm. made your way in. Another contemplative moment. Mm -hmm. Now, as we walk in the larger gallery, we kind of brighten up the space a little bit here. And these are the images, some of the best images that have come out so far in the nearly year of observations from the Webb telescope. So we're starting with um, a planetary section, and then we move on to a stellar and a galactic section. So what we thought was, as you move to the gallery, you're not just m moving farther into the universe, but you're going further back in time, right? Because light uh, travels at a finite speed. You can't go faster than the speed of light, and you can use that as a distance measuring tool. So when you look at something farther away, you're looking at that object as it looked long ago. But starting in the solar system, that's a little closer to us, so a little more recent. And we start with uh, everyone's favorite planet, Uranus, mm -hmm. right here. Um, and just a really different view of it, right? We've yeah. had spacecraft fly by it. We've had telescopes look at it. But in infrared, it's revealing some unique features. We're seeing the planet itself, and you can see some of this, this white kind of um, almost accentuated area on it. You can find methane in those areas. And then the rings really show. And uh, if you know a little about the solar system, of course, Uranus is tilted on its side, and the rings are kind of up and down. And those rings show really well in infrared light. They're quite... Yeah, those um, are gorgeous. Yeah. It's like a, like a glassy marble. It does. It's surrounded does by like a, glassy marble. a halo. It's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. It's stunning. And what's great, too, in this picture that we're looking at here is that you can actually see some of the moons kind of almost sparkle around it as well. Oh, is that what those, those blue, blue ones are? Those blue dots around oh. it are the... the the moons, and you can see even diffraction spikes on the moons because they're so bright that the the, the telescope's own um, the, the 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 engineering or the, um, the the structure, I should say, of the telescope um, is actually uh, diffracting the light. And when there's some a bright source near the telescope, the, the, you'll get these like spokes off these closer objects, and so those moons are reflecting a lot of infrared light, and you can see them around it. And what I love about even pictures of planets in the solar system. If you look further back in the pictures, you actually can see galaxies that are caught in view. So oh. Webb can't help itself and <laughs> to see galaxies even beyond the, the foreground of the planet. So that's what know. all those little smudges those are little smudges around are. That's right. Wow. So it's amazing to see that uh, those galaxies still come into view and are there with Uranus in front of them. And then as we move through here, we, we look at a closer view of Uranus and really see the detail of the rings and of the planet itself. And these gas planets show up really well in infrared light. And it allows us to study the, the clouds, the storm systems on these massive worlds um, that are more in the outer parts of our solar system. Mm. So they look gorgeous here. So we're looking at the atmosphere of something. Yes. Millions uh, and millions of miles away. Exactly, right? yeah. And, uh, and we're seeing cloud features you don't normally see in visible light. Again, going back to Webb and seeing an infrared light, it's showing us a unique perspective. 
And just like we use infrared um, imagery with satellites on Earth looking at our weather and, and cloud structures on our planet, we can do the same with other planets. And that can even help us understand the weather and cloud structures here on Earth as mm -hmm. well. So we can always say these things come back to Earth and help us here in our planet as well. Mm -hmm. All right, as we move through um, the planetary section still, um, this is uh, actually moons, not planets. This is the same um, image uh, or the same object of Titan here, but just two different views from Webb. And this is the moon of Saturn, This is right? the moon of Saturn right here, right. And one of my favorites, second largest moon in the solar system, really the only moon with a significant atmosphere of nitrogen, but with lakes and rivers and an ocean of methane. It's super cold. And on the left side of this image, we're actually seeing Webb's view of some of the atmospheric features um, that are lighting up. And uh, again, there's a nitrogen atmosphere, and think about it, it can rain down methane on this world into these, into these lakes and streams. And it has a methane-ethane cycle. Much like we have a water cycle, there is an, a methane cycle on Titan. Hmm. And so we're seeing those clouds in amazing detail, some of the upper le level layers of the clouds. And on the right side of this image is the same uh, object of Titan, but we're seeing some surface features as well. And on the top left side, there's kind of the beige area in it, and that's a feature called Kraken, which is actually a desert area, a drier area. Still cold, a cold desert, but a drier area on the surface of Titan. And so to see Titan this way is just truly extraordinary. I think it's like, it's incredible that we're looking at land features on a moon of another planet. That's it, incredible to see that. It's unbelievable, right. And you know, NASA is actually developing a mission called Dragonfly to send a drone there, but getting these early views of it before we actually land something or fly something around there will help us to better understand this world and to better explore it later as well. But yeah, to, uh, to see the features of a moon around a planet millions of miles away from us in a, in a different way is just amazing, no matter you know how many times I've looked at this. Yeah. I always feel like the planetary stuff from, from Webb has, has been kind of overlooked a bit. And when you stand up close to this thing, I mean, the, the image of, of Titan, it's bigger than you know my head, right? I mean, yes. this is what, three feet wide maybe? Right. And, and to be able to see all those features, that's just absolutely incredible. It's incredible, right, yeah. And, uh, and you can see the haze of the atmosphere yeah. around it too, you know? And this is just, it's, a, it's its own world with an interesting, you know, all these interesting dynamics and things playing out um, that are just so foreign to us and so alien to us. Mm -hmm. And to unravel that, uh, I think is extraordinary. And you're right, I, I think, some of the solar system uh, observations have been overlooked, but it's showing us just a unique vantage point. And it's complementing other missions, other uh, satellites and observatories that have looked at these planets in different wavelengths of light and in different ways. So this is all because helping us piece the puzzles together of our solar system and beyond. Yeah, this is incredible. And then we move over to I think some of the most impressive planetary things we have, and that is of Jupiter. And we all know Jupiter is the largest planet in the solar system. Typically, if you've seen pictures of it, either from Hubble or from various spacecraft that flown by it, even still in orbit around Jupiter, we've seen the reddish and brown colors. But we're actually seeing kind of a different view in infrared. It's more of this kind of bluish gray, kind of sometimes teal color you see in it. And, um, and these these colors are actually showing something different in the atmosphere we've never seen before. Some of the upper layer levels of the atmosphere, the aurora displays on the top and bottom from Jupiter are really shining from the charged particles from the sun that interact with the atmosphere and those, uh, the atmosphere gets excited and then lights up. And we're seeing that in just amazing detail. And even the very thin ring system around Jupiter, you can see um, in view, you know, it's very cool and very, very um, difficult to, to see it with other observatories and even other spacecraft. But Webb, 
using infrared light can reveal the ring system even around Jupiter. And even a moon caught in the ring system as well. Is that what that moon, is? Yeah. Oh, wow. And wow. so we can see moons of Jupiter. Jupiter has 25 moons around it. And some of these inner moons are making their way in it. They're also kind of photobombing the picture a little bit as well. But you can't help it with 95 at least <laughs> discovered moons, right? Um, and as we move over here, I think our we have a very large eight foot by eight foot I was gonna say this size. is taller than us right yes. yeah eight foot by eight foot size view of Jupiter also from James Webb um, and again it just looks a little different than we normally see it the iconic great red spot is not red in this that's that giant storm swirling around bigger than earth been around for hundreds of years it's actually white in this version and it's because it's reflecting a lot of infrared light uh, in the space from the Sun shining on it and reflecting back to hey. Webb and we're, we're understanding the dynamics of the atmosphere of Jupiter in more detail. Again, the aurora displays. I was going to say that we're seeing at the poles there, the, the, that, that'd be a cool aurora to see, right? Right, it would be. Yeah, the auroras are very extreme there. I mean, the, the auroras on Earth are beautiful, but they're even just way more powerful on Jupiter. The radiation environment on Jupiter is quite intense. And the, the colors you see here are kind of a reddish, greenish color. Kind of like those curtains of light you see over the aurora of the northern and southern hemisphere. You're, you get that on Jupiter, just uh, much more powerful and much greater in extent. Mm -hmm. um, but Ju this image of Jupiter has been a, a favorite so far. Yeah, it's really cool. That's Seth Mayo, science curator at the Museum of Arts and Sciences in Daytona Beach. Our conversation continues after the break, including a new look at one of my favorite images, the Pillars of Creation. And stay listening. Next week, we'll speak with Axiom 2 mission pilot John Schaffner once more, but this time from space. Our on-orbit conversation airs next week here on Are We There Yet? You're listening to Are We There Yet? here on 90.7 WMFE News. I'm Brendan Byrne. We're continuing our conversation with Seth Mayo, science curator at the Museum of Arts and Sciences in Daytona Beach. Our tour of the exhibit of images from the Webb Space Telescope, Unfolding the Universe, takes us now outside our solar system. Um, as we make our way over, um, we can actually head over to the, the stellar region here. So we, we're shifting through, uh, through space, we're moving through distance and time again, and now we're in the kind of stellar moment. So this is um, objects outside of our solar system is what we mean here, all right? And the first image that we get to when we enter the stellar region of the gallery is my favorite picture, and that's the Pillars of Creation. You know, most famous, you know, fam famous, made famous by the Hubble Space Telescope in the 90s as this just giant pillars, almost looks like giant fingers sticking out into space. And we're really highlighting that here with this a massive image that's 10 foot by five foot wide. You know, it's just a massive view of it. And uh, this image is showing us a place where stars are being born. These pillars of creation, as we call them, are, where there's tons of stars embedded inside, or the, the precursors of stars that are, being, um, that are being formed by the gas and dust you see in the image here. And you can actually even find in the image at the top this kind of bluish veil around it. And that's the evaporating material from stars beyond the image that are blasting the nebula with infrared uh, or with ultraviolet light. Um, and these are called stellar winds. These stellar winds are blasting the, the clouds, evaporating the material, and just creating a, a more beautiful scene. And what's unique about Webb is since it sees an infrared light, it can actually see more stars than we could from Hubble or other observatories. Mm -hmm. And so we're actually seeing more stars behind the veil, right? Because infrared light can pierce through the gas and dust, 
and uh, show things behind that we didn't see before. Mm -hmm. This is one of my favorite images too, both from Hubble and, and from Webb. I've stared at it for hours, but there is just something about having a 10-foot print of this thing, being able to walk up to it and discover things that I don't remember seeing in the original image. I mean, it is just, I mean, talk a bit about what you hope these patrons will get when they come in here and they see this and are able to do that. I mean, this is just incredible to walk into an image. That's right, and I think that's what we wanted to show here is that you could walk to it, just like you're clicking on your computer screen and you zoom in, but you get to do that in person and walk up close to the, the image and actually see the details um, where this gas is being sculpted by the stellar winds, where you can actually see new stars that are popping out of those gaseous clouds that are newly formed. And so I think that is a big part of this experience is this emotional connection that you can make to the, these images and to uh, these areas of space. Um, these are places that are so whimsical and so fantastical, um, but when you get a chance to walk up close to it, you can really understand all the unique features and the shapes and the structures. And we are at an art and science museum, and we want to connect art and science together. This is a work of art too, right? Space, the universe can be viewed through the lens of art. And so as you come close to it, just like we would do with a painting, looking closing at the, the brush strokes, and we're looking at how different colors are used, we can do the same with the images like uh, the Pillars of Creation from Webb and many other pictures in this gallery as well. So I think we can tell that story of art and science and mix that together. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. And as we move through the stellar region here, we're not only looking at places where stars are being born, but places where stars either are about to die or have died. And it will help us understand you know, the, the entire life cycle of a star. We can look at it from the beginning of a star through the kind of middle stages of its life, kind of like our sun, um, and into the later stages of its life. Um, and so we're, we're looking at um, a, a picture of something called Wolf Riot uh, 124, which is a immensely powerful star uh, just very bright, brighter than our sun by many thousands of times and much larger and it's about to die but before it's gone supernova, which is when it explodes, it's actually released a whole bunch of gas, a ring of gas, this orb of gas around it, kind of the precursor explosion before the really big bang that will eventually happen and that, that will release material into space, um, that heavier material that could eventually make it into stars, planets, and even the ingredients for life, right? Uh -huh. Some of the ingredients in the, some of the other nebula we're looking at may have come from the death of stars. So we can see that whole life cycle play out. So cool. And it's, and it's right next to the pillars of creation. And it's so right next yeah. to the pillars, right. Yeah. So you're already telling that story here. Yeah. You can see the story that plays out, which is great. And then more massive images more over massive, here. Yes, it gets bigger, all right? We're getting bigger as we move through the gallery here. Uh, moving through more places where stars are being born, a molecular cloud ca uh, called Chameleon 1 inside the constellation, also known as Chameleon here. Just you see these beautiful blues and some newborn stars kind of embedded in it at the top of the image. Um, and just these, you can kind of get lost in the clouds a little bit and just almost feel, it's very, um, again, sort of whimsical and very like ethereal is the term I like to use when you look at these things here. And we want these moments to just stop and just contemplate what you're looking at. You might not even understand what you're seeing, but at least you can get kind of uh, connected to it by the, the beauty of it, the, the, um, uh, the, how epic it is, right? Mm -hmm. We're seeing that in this image here. And then we get our, our largest image we have in this gallery here. Um, this is a 20 foot by 10 foot image of the uh, Carina Nebula. This is one of the first four images released mm -hmm. by the web team uh, back last year, last July. And uh, it's huge, it's amazing. And it's also known as the Cosmic Cliffs. 
um, that sit about uh, 6,500 uh, light years away in the Carina Nebula, more in the southern hemisphere. And what you're seeing here is another area where stars are being born. And it's nicknamed the Cosmic Cliffs because it looks like huge cliffs jutting out um, from, you know, from the Earth and you have a cosmic shore in front of it. Um, and it was oriented that way um, because of that, of that uh, appearance to it. And so again, we're finding these huge kind of brownish red colors here where the, 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 the gas is being condensed into new stars, a bluish material sort of emanating above it um, from the evaporating um, material from stars beyond the image. And so we're getting, there's a lot happening here. And again, it looks like a massive painting, one of those large paintings you find at really big museums. Uh, we're doing it here at our museum. Uh, and I may be one of the biggest uh, versions of Karina Nebula ever done. I don't know if we can claim that, but I, I like to say it's at least one of the largest ever um, maybe printed um, so far. Could you go any bigger or, or is the resolution, does that, does that top out somewhere? Yeah, I think it does, yeah. Eventually, yeah, you lose. I mean, the great thing is from Webb, the images come in high resolution. Webb is seeing these things in, so, it's in greater resolution. It's like getting a new TV. You go from Hubble, maybe standard definition. It's still great. Um, and then Webb is, you know, ultra high definition, right? <laughs> and now we're seeing that here. So it allows us to blow these images up in tremendous scale and size. And again, I don't mind if, you know, someone doesn't read the, the label, that's okay. You can just sit on a, on a bench and just look at it and just think about the universe. How right? long did you say it was? Uh, 20 foot wide. 20 foot. So yeah. you, we can actually like walk through this, yes. which is well, we can walk so incredible. Right, yeah. Walk through the nebula, walk through areas where stars are being born. Um, and it's also one of my favorites in here as well. And, uh, you know, and, and there's an artist touch to this too because uh, a, a scientist had to come in and um, actually add some color to this, right? And they usually assign it by wavelengths. So the shorter wavelengths are in blue and the longer wavelengths are in red. And that can tell you a story about the kind of light coming from this. So even though it's some false colors, again, we can't see this with our own eyes. We can't see infrared light, but maybe if we could, this gets us closer to understanding what it would look like with our infrared eyes that Webb provides us. So we love that about this image. And the colors are amazing. The size and scale are amazing. And the story it tell, tells, it's amazing too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's breathtaking it at, breathtaking at this scale. And we get to a galactic uh, area here um, where it gets even deeper in space. Again, we're going farther in distance, further back in time. So as we move to galaxies that are millions, some of these billions of light years away, we're seeing galaxies as they looked a long time ago, not now, right? And the first one we get to uh, is still a good sized picture, four by four, four foot by four foot image of the Cartwheel Galaxy, uh, a galaxy that underwent a collision and it has this really amazing ring around it. And the ring is highlighted in red and that actually shows you a tremendous amount of star birth. Mm. Webb is showing that in a lot of detail. And you have some other galaxies nearby, some smaller ones that actually may have um, interacted with the, the large uh, round galaxy in the kind of middle of the image. Um, and so there's a lot of interaction with galaxies. And again, just like many of the pictures, if you look behind those galaxies are even more, more galaxies. distant galaxies, <laughs> right? You can't, like, uh, there's, there's almost no image in here where you can't see galaxies in the distance, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, that infrared light just can permeate through the universe and make its way over billions of light years. Yeah. If you want to have an existential crisis, this is the place to come. I mean, really, when you, especially this next image that we're looking at here, like we are, insignificant when it comes to all of these galaxies it is, that we see, true. right? Yeah, it makes you feel that, you know? Yeah. Um, it, especially this, this next image, this is another very large image, this is a, um, a 10 by 15 uh, size version, 10 foot by 15 foot size version of the Pandora's Cluster. 
right? A very well-known cluster in astronomy, and a lot of these galaxies are about four billion light years away. The light you're seeing has taken four and a half, actually, billion years. Billion with a B. Billion with a B That's years. That's incredible. Yeah, and uh, you're seeing it as it looked that long ago, right? Um, and uh, there's a lot of galaxy collisions that have happened here. There's a big crash of galaxies that happen in this area, and so these clusters have come together to form what's called a mega cluster. So you can't get bigger than a cluster, you go mega. <laughs> and so we're going mega cluster here. So much, so much galaxies are in this view, the gravity is so strong, it's actually warping space. And if you look closely, and this is where we get to walk up to the image and see it closer, you can see these streaks of arcing light. And the streaks of arcing light is what's something called gravitational light lensing, right? Oh, wow. The light is being warped uh, from galaxies behind the image, showing us galaxies farther back than even these foreground galaxies, acting like a giant lens in space, seeing things farther back than even Webb can see, uh, or at least in more detail. And so we can see those streaks of light around some of these big galaxy clusters in different areas here. And uh, it's extraordinary, again, to walk up close to it. I think that's something we want people to do, walk up close to it, really look in detail, and then walk back and see it in all of its entirety. Uh, and you just get a sense of scale, but also a sense of detail mm -hmm. as you get closer. And again, we're looking at every little dot. It's a reminder, every dot is a galaxy right, for and the there's most some, part. There's some really small ones that I, I don't remember seeing when you know, I'm looking at this on my laptop screen or whatever, but you were, were inches away from this and, and you're, you're seeing all of these little bits here. Exactly, right. Um, yeah, to think about that, those galaxies have, could have millions, billions, some of them trillions of stars, each maybe with their own planets around it. And then it really makes you think, what could be out there, right? Mm -hmm. I think about all the time is, uh, you know, are there other beings out there, maybe with their own space telescopes looking back at us, who knows? Uh, but it does make you think that when you have that many galaxies, that many stars, and that many planets that could exist out there uh, in this cluster. And many more clusters spread across the universe. And yeah. we can see that with even more images in here, other galaxies that are showing just amazing things that are happening in these galaxies. Galaxies with very active centers where the black hole exists. Um, galaxies with a tremendous amount of stellar activity um, around their cores, as we see in the image above is the phantom galaxy. There is so much to take away from this, from the artistry of, of this, the science of this, the engineering of, of the Webb Telescope. What do you hope is, is the one thing that, that everyone takes with them when, when they leave this exhibit? Oh, I think to keep that sense of wonder of the universe. And that's, that was, that's what drives me. Um, I'm always curious, no matter what it is. It doesn't have to be astronomy, it doesn't have to be space. There's just so much to wonder about in the universe. And you walk through here, there's so much wonder, right? Um, and you can think this wonder can be different for everybody, right? Something may pull you in uh, more. Maybe the nebula, the pillars of creation. Maybe um, Jupiter and, and its unique view of that, or the Carina Nebula, or those galaxies. Um, and so I think if it pulls you in, it makes you wonder, it makes you curious about the universe, um, I think that's a great thing to, um, to emphasize. I think that's a great thing to celebrate. Um, I think that's what's moved us along as, as, uh, for humanity, is to keep wondering, keep pushing the boundaries, and we're seeing that here. And we get to mix art and science together. I think that's a big one as well. You know, there's art and there's science in the universe, and we can see that cohesively together here in this exhibit. Seth, thank you so much for taking us on this journey. Uh, thank you very much, I appreciate it, and I hope people get a chance to unfold the universe with us here um, during the runtime of this exhibit. That was Seth Mayo, science curator at the Museum of Arts and Sciences in Daytona Beach. Unfolding the Universe runs through October 1st. Details online at moas.org. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. 
Next week, we'll speak with Axiom 2 mission pilot John Schaffner once more, but this time from space. Stay listening for our on-orbit conversation about his trip to space and his mission from the International Space Station so far. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to the show's podcast feed so you never miss an episode. Subscribe to NPR One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got more space coverage online. Visit wmfe.org slash space. Are We There Yet is a production of 90.7 WMFE News. Editorial guidance this week from Latoya Dennis. Support for Are We There Yet comes from our listeners. Until next week, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening.